0: Recorded live in Manhattan's East Village at St. Mark's Church in the Bowery, this is the Poetry Project.
1: I'm Simone White. Hi, I feel like I know everybody here tonight, which is nice. Um, I am the Wednesday night coordinator of of the Wednesday night reading series, (laughs) and. Um, and the program manager here at the Poetry Project. And um, I'm happy to be here tonight to welcome Robert Kochik and Camille Roy and um, all of you. So Tom's going to introduce this very beautiful, also, project um, of Robert's, which is um, Supple Science. Tom's the editor of that text, which is for sale in the back. Uh, for thirty dollars, I want to say that thirty dollars is a lot of money for a book, but it is a vast and gorgeous collection of writings that are various and exciting and totally heady. That is well worth thirty bucks. So that's my plug. Okay.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Simone. Um. Yeah, this, this introduction doesn't really even mention um, the book, but um, thank you for, for saying some words about it, Simone. Um, I'm just really glad it's in the world. It's, it's, um, it's high time that Robert had a book um, like this one. Uh, Robert Kotzik was born in 1954 in Austin, Minnesota. He is a writer, prosodist, builder, artist, caregiver, and economic justice activist. From 1975 through 80, Kosick worked with the Center for Archaic Studies in Franconia, New Hampshire. He attended the New College of California Poetics Program from 1980 through 83. In 1985, he moved to France, where he worked as a builder and translator. From 1990 through 95, he co-directed with choreographer Daria Fine, the Arts and Trades Association, Trigon. In 1994 through 95, he studied wood engineering at the Ecole Polytechnique Fédérale de Lausanne. In 1996, he moved to Brooklyn where he founded the Bureau of Material Behaviors, a design slash build business and materials research workshop. Since 1985, Japanese and French woodworking traditions have been the mainstay of his livelihood. His architectural works focus on missing services, functions, and furnishings that meet critical social needs. His cross-disciplinary writings move through the hard, soft, and sore sciences to comprise a field called supple science. In 2006, Fine and Kutzik co-founded the Prosodic Body, an experiential, exacting exploration of the sonic, connotative and interoceptive aspects of language. In 2008, the Commons Choir, the performative branch of the prosodic body, was launched. Working from librettos that combine the prosody research with socioeconomic concerns, the choir performs investigative musicals in various settings to entertain, educate, and enlighten. Kosick's publications include Overcoming Fitness, which was published by Autonomedia in 2001, Rur Barb, which was published by Field Books in 2007, All People's Calendar, published by The Prosodic Body, Everyone, published by Portable Press at Yo-Yo Labs in 2012, and most recently, Supple Science, a Robert Kutzik Primer, published by On Contemporary Practice. When I despair of calling myself a poet, and of the state of contemporary poetry at large and within the communities with whom I feel the clearest sense of affinity, I often look to Robert Kotzik's work as a kind of bomb, if not an antidote for what ails me. To quote some of his own language, his work makes our cases acute rather than chronic, intensifying the conditions of a diseased collective body, treating the patient with the help of a prosodic pharmacy. Where much poetry stops short at rhetorical pyrotechnics and imminent critique, his own seeks to transform the very character of our bodies and spirits through prosodic expression. The artist Andrea Fraser once famously declared that something is art if she declares it such. In a similar spirit, Ben Kinmont and other contemporary artists have wondered what happens when the artist becomes something else, which is to say assumes a different occupation or mode of living. Like Fraser and Kinmont, Robert seeks poetic practice in an expanded field that may make visible, if not somewhat ridiculous, the various thresholds of poetic discourse traditionally defined in terms of lyric persona, page poetry, and inherited models of performance. More radically, he identifies the thresholds where poetry passes into science, architecture, medicine, and choreography, redefining the role of the poet through practical activity. Given the ambitious, if not impossible, scope of Robert's life work, it is not surprising that he gives poetry readings so infrequently and is published so sparingly. This makes witnessing him perform his work solo all the more astonishing where the intentions of the prosody, which would attempt to influence our genetic expression and overturn the foundations of our legal and political conduct, become instantly felt through his use of phonemics, incantation, and amulets. Much like watching Daria Fine dance her own choreographies, with Robert's rare reading appearances, it is as if hearing his prosody, a communalized property of myself, and his many other collaborators, return to its point of origin, uncannily appropriate. It is common knowledge that the human brain, except in cases of psychic phenomena and extreme experience, harnesses only a small portion of its total potential. Similarly, as Robert points out, the range of poetic expression is severely circumscribed by the vast majority of poetic practices that would... that would not seek a more expansive exploration of prosody, the prosodic encompassing a totality of potential within and without embodiment, on and off the page, in silence, and in articulation. I hope you will hear the sound of that potential tonight with me. Please welcome Robert Kutsik.
3: Who, who? Pop, mom, scouring, stop. Knock war down. Negate con. Come nor gone. Somehow verily. Huff and huff and lightning shawl. Luxum send off. Hold, stronghold, shivery, pop Pressure on phenomenon In this way, indubitably Hammer, hammer, buzzword, quo Carsick, keep safe Ought, power, scaffolding, wreck Non-partial, good as gone Parami, final fear eater, hackneyed, hackneyed vagabond, makeshift safety. Who'll handle? How are we? Pain, break it down, put to death, just like so, all out, artlessness, head on, head on, razor sharp. Rescue, how so? it's for Stanley Mike, though he may not need our protection anymore. Other than here nor there, problem-free, so it is, all in all comes as is. Check it out, featureless, this nor that, gone for good I guess so just like that giddy up run the show so that's for many voices um, at once and it's though tempting to do sing-alongs and assign parts in that I hate that kind of thing so uh, leave it to you to complete that part of it the part that's choral The age of being down on, down on representative democracy, down on our market, down on melting pot, down on disease, down on how U.S. is viewed from without, down on non-productive productivity, down on care, down on profound, down on folder all, down on down, down on outcome, even more than down on opportunity, down on down on our knees. Press down, being down, like holding a head underwater until drowned, holding a dull, badly nicked knife to grindstone, pressing down, wearing down, a body driven down a road, diving into anatomy to remove harmful anomaly. Clear not from node, renew the layering of tissues, organs, and genesis. Get with, grant us Enthusiasm where we ended Glamorous, not for ourselves Pinch off the life we will lose Already we're pressure No more pressure Having made full force In the slow disappearing Holder of know-how Destroy the story of disease Protect so it is said, the stowaway inseparable. Suck us. Suck us. Suck us. a chance I can't take. <clears throat> avoid benefiting to avoid repulsing you. If the path divides and one branch is ignorance and one branch is wisdom, you've taken the wrong path and should just sit down. If reality itself is suffering, it's also then obscured by suffering as seen in all those people out there apparently having a good time. Not an option anyway, taking on poison emotions as perfection. Spiritual democracy, all experiences equal in luminosity and lesson. Though a skill is not a poison per se, it is a counterpart of wisdom. Because you have desired, you will see each detail as all of space. Once the unendurable, desired diametrically otherwise, gives way. Because you've hated, others will see in you only their own image. Once the opposed is greeted as a precious gift of personal quietus. Because you mistook the real, there'll be no meeting and parting. Once stupidity is deity and all obstacles are imperadizing speech. Because you are conceit, body is not an encasement of constructs. Once the bee in your bonnet is seen as a hive of psychotic angels. Because you've envied, become an arrow, never losing momentum. Once agony is bliss, where there could be no other actual capital. These are my final wishes. Have no place to go. If your house is not on fire, set it on fire. Ask me in the shoot to continue to be of benefit to you. It will calm me. Continuity of practice is the greatest assurance. Don't need another chance. Taking with you matters that can only be left behind is all too possible. Being alive is 100 times more psychic than being alive. There are instructions in these words, concealed as content you can only uncover as your own. May my bones, therefore your bones, be glowing medicine at this time because of this time. Balance is between inescapable and escapable suffering. Place me in both boats, push from shore and light on fire. Over inaccessible terrain, strap me to a drone And have me blown from the sky by dozens of RPGs launched at at once. If this is too difficult to arrange, slip me inside a log hollowed by nature. For God's sake, force the financial sector to serve as public utility. Or bury me in unchilled walnuts painted red. Or you you could just have the... um, Federal Reserve act as an investment bank or hedge fund uh, funneling profits back to the U.S. Treasury which would itself then act as a, the only proprietary trader uh, unless anyone sees a problem with that but I, I really think that one fell swoop we'd have it things will be happening too fast pragmatism is to rejoice specifically when there is no cause. We're never as skilled as we think. Sooner name a disease after me than an automobile. Turn my spine upside down and plant it in the richest loam. Only morbidity is not morbid. Both of you should die before the other and lay each other to rest. Plead with Jesus Christ and Chen Rezig to meld one approach, however incongruous. Having considered my works, if you press for socioeconomic parity for all, with even an infinitesimally greater force, I'll have lived all that I lived for. Show that there are traceable worlds in open secrets that can be entered and made commonplace. Like a Pulbari rickshaw runner fighting to keep the ground underfoot from opening into an immense pit, Consider coal unburnable and with incense lit for me perfectly transfer this intent into the conscience of energy colossi. We contaminate the planet only coincident with or as effect of our emotions. Don't necessarily show these stanzas to others. Wrap them in a cloth passed down from your mother or given to you by a dearest friend or under endearing circumstances and place them over your heart when you want to dissolve into space. Spin and dissociate even from space as your only real face. Cover the cloth-bound stanzas with mud and leave them on a rooftop or pin them under a rock at the bottom of a pond. These are more last wishes. There's a, I have a lot of last wishes. Um, uh, Beg Congress to no longer be a bargain basement for the banking lobby. Prepare to not be at war. If nature allowed experiment, I'd place in interdependence my conduct or that which conducts or is conducted once I'm gone and the ways you'd conduct your lives in light of my passing. I've never asked anything of you before, whatever you wish. So I apologize for the um, exhortative tone, but it's from the grave. So if you can't take that mood at that point, you'll never have it. If I'm committed to charity in my life, can there be time to waste in my line? And if committed to charity in the line, if you read... These words, as other than all, they change. You're still dual and in a state of rapid decomposition. What's there to do in the dark but make allies we'll never need? A brief exposition of word as mute, mere, and more than word. To overcome my own limitations and those of my mediums, tendency to entertain, aesthetic rapture, devotional relish, I have tried and have not well served you with terms, tools, trades outside my innate abilities and time-tested training. I'll make it up to you, the movements into the vernaculars to end control by class, loss of the subtlety of cosmogenic languages by lifting the sanctions against word limitation. One can't simply replace logos with prosody without sound reorganizing body of water as in a crystal bowl. The tuning fork is silence. The time of day to sound is savor. The script is classless, creedless, greed jettisonist. <clears throat> Break even, Break even banking. Bring back boring banking. 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 Paul Volcker said since the time of Ho Chi Minh, no banking betterment but the ATM break even banking bring back boring banking break even banking bring back boring banking be being paid peas porridge hot be being paid peas porridge cold be being paid peas porridge porridge, in the pot be being paid nine days old be being paid for riding away. Be reimbursed. <clears throat> this this next little section will come from uh, the ubiquitous dividend, which is distinct from uh, austerity, <clears throat> and it's there's a it's a. Duet or conversation between um, the ubiquitous dividend and churlish, which is the counter argument. Again, these are done by characters, so I'm um, with my non singing voice going to do my best to uh, give a semblance of that. <coughs> All our money will. Be a blessing once it's laid bare, will be a blessing. All our money as natural resource becomes blessing like water and air. I won't raise your wage, but will make you alone. I won't raise your wage, but will make you alone. Nourish the north, deserving, deserves. Nourish the south, nourish east and west. Plenty's for Providing hardship in its midst Off the job, you're just as valuable as me Commodities are our ancestors Nourish winter, spring summer and fall. All our money will be a blessing, once it's laid bare, will be a blessing. In 1847, communal life in the U.S. was defeated by the natural law of individual sovereignty and by thinkers having plowed, planted, and weeded themselves into depression thinking especially of Emerson at Brook Farm. In the words of, this is Churlish again, in the words of Master Tinkerer, New Harmony, 1827 dropout, Josiah Warren, and for me this is the kernel of the meanness, uh, quote, uh, avoid all combinations and connections of persons and interests and all other arrangements which will not leave every individual at all times at liberty to dispose of his or her person and time and property in, an, in any manner in which his or her feelings or judgment may dictate without involving the persons or interests of others. And these, these comments by Warren and Emerson, they're all, they were uh, um, sometimes decades uh, later... Um, they they were communalists, they lived on communes, and from their distaste for what happened, like for decades they're cursing communal life. So it's interesting to trace that to what happened. Name one crime we can't credit to our ignorance of the ubiquitous dividend, name one wrong that would have won out had we but tended, implemented. Name one scourge, one burden, curse, or blow had we but basked in the ubiquitous dividend. More rant by Churlish. Um, uh, One thing I'll be doing, uh, coming back, moving back to Brooklyn, um, our choir is going to do a work in uh Brooklyn called Brooklyn Resound with a z r e z o u n d and it's will be uh maybe typical of one of our investigative musicals um uh, it will it will be a kind of diachronical of the uh, waves of immigrants and languages uh in Brooklyn starting with the the Lenape and, um, in a way, it's a, for me, it will be, um, there's, there's a French expression, bien dans sa peau, bien dans sa peau, uh, good in your, well, feeling well in your skin, um, an example of what I mean I, to prepare for this I was, I was um, spent a couple of days ago um, reading um, the laws and ordinances that the Dutch brought with them the Dutch West India Company um, even before there was a settlement here and it's only 550 pages and before people were even there and it was uh, enforced by a sheriff who acted as a prosecutor, too. So it's like the police and grand jury. Uh, so this has never not been the case, right? The police have been militarized. I mean, it's it's uh, synonymous. And and part of the work that acquires uh, laws, writing, and... It's a poet's responsibility to take it as creative writing. So we're trying to get at the laws. Um, the rest of the day, I listened to every, known, every uh, interview with Sun Ra I could find. So I have the ordinances, the Dutch ordinances, and then Sun Ra. Sun Ra kept repeating. I mean, the only thing he kept repeating in every interview was that uh, there are no laws on Earth, on the planet, for angels. And they um, won't come because they're, they're afraid. Or they don't want to harm anybody. And until there are laws for angels and until prote- we, we protect their rights, um, they won't show up. And, and the implication was that he too won't be at ease because he certainly wasn't from here. So what it did for me was to... I wrote the laws and ordinances for angels, of course. Obstacles... Recognized, our angels. Never thank an angel any more than the sun turns a leaf green because it lacks the color green. You tread on an angel when you choose the act requiring less courage. All justice, in that it is proportionate, treads on angels in that they are boundless. Gratification supplants the space of angels. Our poisons are the pollination of angels. Because the purpose of law is enforcement and not order or obedience, subject no angel to any known law. Superiority is inferiority. Difference is natural, while judgment distorts. Angels must not be called by name or identified as angels. Rather, they should be known according to their roles, as in the one who, at that time, improbably, fortunately, if not for, and so on, yield to all unidentifiable beings. Always act as though angels were there first when found trespassing on your property. Never mistake your own intuition for angel ownership. A gentle reminder, never save face when it should be offered up. Good. Good. Yes, there's one angel here (laughs) sticking up for angels everywhere. That was the first genocide, right? Angels. Um, It's more of this. uh, uh, Okay, good. Okay. Okay. All right, I'll... I, I will address that as best I can from my poor gentry position. Um, with okay, with um, 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 the luminous facts, Brooklyn, Brooklyn is four hundred years of um, increased. Uh, multi-ethnicity and communications with increased um, segregation and disconnection relative to greater disparities in income, outcome, housing, health, public services, and basic amenities. So that's the the beginning point of resound, and the question: Who do I think I am? In in as part of my identity in, in 1985, the um, the Hormel meatpacking industry. Um, Their their most popular product was the uh, chili-stuffed hot dog. And the assembly line for that product was dismantled and moved to Texas when the management said that the plant is no longer profitable. And unless the workers took a 23% pay decrease, they had moved the whole plant the response of the workers was to chain themselves in the uh, executive offices. And they were eventually removed by the Army. The U.S. Army occupied my hometown for about four months and uh, escorted in scab workers. What nobody thought could ever happen. Um, One poem that I wrote... Uh, years ago, traced every town in, in the United States that was ever occupied by the U.S. Army. And I'll just start to read that. I can call it up here. Uh, but it, it, it'll become dull because it's so long. Shays' Rebellion, 1787, Springfield, Massachusetts, to end the jailing of debtor farmers and the poor paying for a revolutionary war. January 29, 1834, along the Chesapeake, Ohio Canal, President Lincoln diverts troops from Gettysburg to New York City, draft riot-turned-race-and-class lynching. July 15, 1863, Chicago general strike for deploying the eight-hour day, 1886. Each slave insurrection in effect as well, a labor revolt. Gabriel Prosser uprising, eighteen hundred. Denmark, Vesey, in Charleston, 1882. Nat Turner's South Hampton Insurrection, 1831. The Great Baltimore and Ohio Railroad Strike beginning in Martinsburg, West Virginia, on July 14, 1877. Federal troops fresh from massacring Sioux in the Dakotas directed at Chicago strikers, 1887. The Bodo massacre, sugar strike put down by Louisiana Governor Samuel Douglas, a planter as well, and 10 infantry companies, Pullman Palace Car Factory, 2,500 troops, Pullman, Illinois, 1894, 1902, East Pennsylvania, anthracite coal strike, Teddy Roosevelt threatens to send troops, martial law in Pana, Illinois, lady garment workers striking against God, 1909, New York City, Bread and Roses, Moving Picket Line, Textile Strike, Lawrence, Massachusetts, 51 Nationalities, 22 Languages, 1912, Ludlow, Colorado, Minor Strike, 1914, John D. Rockefeller, Goons and State Militia, Machine Guns in 48 States, Industrial Workers of the World, Offices Raided, Boston Riot, Police Strike for Work Improvements and Union Put Down by Gompers, Commissioner, Curtis, Governor Coolidge, thousands of state, with an exactness; those working the material side of energy matter, indistinguishably either side of the senses. Only Motley states the facts without fear of execution. Either share your wealth or desert to the Powhatans. The skill set shifts over time, more rapidly and far less problematically as the end approaches. For each letter of the alphabet, a business committed to betterment of the phenomenal socioeconomic justice-seeking world, changing to a new spiritual practice for each letter of an alphabet generated directly from pulsations of light. So back there there, there I do have business cards for each letter of the alphabet You're free to they're free for the taking um but when I, I do work from them and have for decades, but they're shifting over as this piece said um to um, uh less material side i mean the the needs changes it's a whole new skill set, and I'm going to make a discipline or a practice for each letter of a uh, different kind of alphabet. been working with Tibetan and Sanskrit because they're cosmogenic languages whose phonemes generate from light and are the formative properties of matter. <clears throat> Earth. Ask for abundance, not what it brings. Give to differentiation what is differentiation's. If I can't feed you enough to survive, should I feed you at all? If it's not in the soil, it's not in the food, like poet and poem. Same as what can't be said. Same as what can't be said. As your donkey disappeared? You're here to consult the words regarding a grave personal matter to see which part of the body There are too many waves at once. What's the difference between misconduct and a corpse? It's inconceivable that light would bear a physical problem. Maybe I'll I'll try to end on this hard-to-do piece. (coughs) It's um, from... uh, um, Selknam some choir members will recognize it um, the the last known speaker of the Selknam language uh, from Tierra del Fuego um, was recorded by a an anthropologist um, Anne Chapman, French American and I happened to hear that on a tape and There was a part that especially drew me in. It was the only section where she was speaking and not singing. And by rights, I I can't um, use the songs because they're inherited. So the language, um, I I kind of picked up on that. And this is not what she said, but it's what I heard. And it it was like lightning lightning going through somebody It's the same energy as the the what fuels the sun but of speech pop 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 pa pop 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 per ich per ich per oh 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 h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h Tul, ts, t, tul, hum, shush, quit, da, lut, k, t, tud, k, t, tul, tul, t, ka, ka, shul, shasha sha, ya, sha, sha, mm, mm, oh, ho, oh, 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 uh, the boundless, what, tul. So, to thank Simon for inviting me, everybody for coming, and the project for being here for us all.
1: With no uh, further words from me. I'm going to ask Dia Felix to come to the microphone to introduce Camille Roy, who's with us all the way from California. (laughs) Dia.
0: Is it worth the commitment of raising this? Hi. I'm so excited about... Introducing Camille Roy. Her play, The Female Forest Floating Above a Forest, Our Furry Forest, Camille Roy once wrote in the online journal, Narrativity, the following, I entrust my twisted little pieces to the warm nest of the sick social body and I feel our bond. It nourishes me. And then a couple lines later, I think we are impossible beings. But... When the beloved poet dips a teaspoon straight into the heart, you wonder, will it be cool? Will it be hot? Will she stay? A wet mineral vault, salty, a kind of toughy gestation. Hard walls make you hungry for flesh, for a stew. You're levitating again. How did she do that? I'm the meal. The kitchen is cruising me. I'm going to rearrange my face. Shabby she, bath of herself. On our knees, a film. A thumbs blur against my glasses. Paused the afternoon. All afternoon, I sucked on the afternoon. I made a cake by feel. Newspapers, blood, sleep, stars from the dustbin. I got into the impossible. Both hands, filmy glove of yesterday and today. Mixed. The status quo makes me need to lie down, but I think we can all agree that a human being should die in bed. The work of Camille Roy is a great medicine. There is a part of me that I have left there in the personal home of the beloved poet. At least I would like to think so because it feels like having a relation, a pharmacy, a ghost of a scarf around a fat, heavy, drunk blossom in a backyard which bobs over the storied silver bay, the housing projects in the background, like bleached-out Lego buildings, a kind of hyper-realistic greeting card or dream. How's this going? Okay, it's almost over. (laughs) In Swarm, Camille Roy writes, I assume my brain is a sealed chamber, and then something happens, the tiniest pinprick, and it leaks in, flooding everything, all the rolling coils of my brain, like... Uh, squid ink. Dread and horror tumble, two tiny twins down every rung of my spine. Fag, no way, I told myself. What does that mean, anyhow, for a girl? One day, language lay down in her bed and had multiple origins. I'm saying, there once was a language which pawed her way softly into me like a blonde dog on soft sand each footfall seeming to come from somewhere new. Waves were provoked inside me. Pipes were struck. I couldn't tell quite what was happening. I could hear the sound of a deck of cards being shuffled or fanned, and I had the sense that every card held an archetype of language. And language was as powerful as a bridge, but as silly in its incompetence as a flimsy paper snowflake, too. When I got right down to it once and asked, Why do you do it? Why do you write? She said, Just just because I'm obsessed with it, that's all. You know, no good reason. A fillet of language. Something creamed, reduced, turned red. Is it okay if I dye my cape with it? Is it cool if I use it on my flag? Two girls on horses gallop towards a dream logic. I held my breath at the Indian buffet so I could swallow with them across a certain plane. The jump ropes dropped and the girls stopped and stared. P fell. Cookies were dropped from mollusk soft fingers. The air changed octave. The sky switched pitch. The night sucked in a breath and kept breathing. My spit couldn't settle on the flavor it was going to be in my mouth. A different more breathing kind of Disney movie experience. The perversity of the tightness of the sprayed-on cartoon dresses is more, in, is more overt in this, our cartoon. I've let myself go entirely in the span of this classroom. I've shot myself all the way up to the billboards and stuck. Do I know enough to do this? Is this enough? Is this noise or a poem? In the pines, in the pines our skeletons can fully begin their mirror grins. Twins. The question on the ranch and everywhere else, in the hospital and everywhere else, in the boudoir and everywhere else remains what strikes you forcefully. Camille Roy writes, one thing about this work is that it could only happen now. Description versus Genesis a technology of flowers. She writes, theater is a quality, not a place. But I submit it is a blessing to be together tonight in this place, all of us alive in 2015. Imagine it. Please join me in welcoming Camille Roy.
4: That was awesome, Dia. I felt like I was uh, feeling some of my work through a, a hanging sheet, like I could feel it there, right behind the sheet. Um, I'm happy to be here. I want to thank everybody that brought me. Um, and I want to thank the Poetry Project. Um, so I want to tell you a little bit about what I'm doing, because I think I'm just going to go through it. Um the first part of the reading is this sort of shapeless um, pile of poetry that um, kind of all sort of relates to the second part of the reading. Um, it's kind of... Um, there's a lot about... There's there's a number of deaths that are going through this, and one of them, there's a character in the second part who's called G. This is the same person all the way through, and... Um, Um, what else can I tell you the the second part is actually some of you may know that there's a curator um, an artist in San Francisco called Margaret Tedesco and she has a little gallery and she does collaborations between artists and writers and um, I did a collaboration with her with a a wonderful artist named Christopher Russell Um, and when I get to that part I'm going to take there's going to be a, a, a slideshow that rotates, and those are the slides that I wrote with. Just a word about the project: He, uh, there's a cruising park in um, in San Francisco called Buena Vista Park, and he would go there with a camera in his pocket. One of those sort of instant cameras in his pocket and take pictures of the everybody. And he was also a part of the cruising. So that's what's going to run. And when I got that as my, like, artist to um, collaborate with, it was when I was... Uh, a, f- a friend of mine had committed suicide, and we had done a memorial in that park we were he had met his lover in that park, and I had been scattering ashes in that park so all those things kind of came together at the same time um, so when I get to that part i'm just going to pull the i'm going to pull the veil off of the images um, okay so this is called uh it's There are no real titles, but I'll just say this. Uh, General Strike. What we did wrong, we did for a living. Jerk chicks for pleasure. My dark removals expedite ego. You chomp and are pesky. I suggest misanthropy so deep will come out the bottom into a kind of ethics. Reaching the middle, we stuff our sentences in awkward attempts to fulfill a class position we hope could be ours, but isn't. Torn into the wide road, we search for location and find jockeying, conflict, sorcery, I am cruel, but like syrup with no core. You feel hostile at the start, but that's so bottomless. We write to style the present. It's our gift to the past. The lost ones, their clamor. Tonight, we saw waves of smoke and quiet, solemn crowds on the move. Lumbering and ancient. Something fatigued in the air. The whole country is sore. Excitement pursues us from afar, afar. The dim-witted war, its fuck face. Trying to walk in the melody of nothing happening. E.g., across a high mesa, sky shimmering, with tiny blonde chains, a cloud further off, a cloud man, fucking a cloud woman, tenderness in history, as the end hurdles into sight. I follow a verb Palomino. When I stop it vanishes. Then I come upon it, tearing grass Swishing tail, it trots ahead along a path to future's canyon. Here, in what the map calls the vast field, dash the high mesa. As plow, lake light, sheer, and ice teeth grind, two move, single file, through slippery clouds of grass. When I stop, it vanishes. Then I come upon it, tearing grass, swishing tail. The verb palomino, it trots ahead. I follow the snow. The solvent is a band of color across the band of yellow nature. My body is a puppet that makes nature pulpy, I twist my body into the meadow syrups, sky shimmering with tiny blonde chains. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the patriarch sings into his porridge. Twelve wise sperm create weather, dive into the soup. Mystery of the aggregate Under a scruff of fawn-colored hair A wink of a girl We talk of our dead parents Sweet symmetry is poor And then his ghost Her father blessed them all by suicide The nurse tried to prop her head up with a pillow But it kept drooping to one side A tear pooled in the lower lid of her left eye I watched it keenly anticipating my grief the stapled xeroxed booklet had said that the dying may cry my mother could no longer speak over the eyes of the over the hours of the day ripples of breath slowly diminished she began to look younger as if her face was emerging finally her body abandoned luggage yet appearing strong Language, its alien bits, had disappeared. The alien, now in the body, then in the word, surges and withdraws. Our actual home retreats the moment we recognize it. The wink girl nods. She calls it that woohoo shit. She says, I think of negative space as a great mass of darkness, holding everything else up. Being a criminal is hard work. On a good day, 12 gold teeth found in a dumpster. I admit to being lied to, standing in silence as you drive away, gun under the seat. Slowly, your car glides by, past the pump, street-side, curbed, where the boys hop nervously forward and back. The alert one waves. Your horizontal presence is brutal. This is your struggle, to live around the cut, preserve the moment, even as it takes the form of retreat. Retreat. Leaving circumstance, a place known as revenge, you made a vow. When I come upon a strange place, that place known to me, everything is old. What stands forth is precedent. What is thy sentence, then, but speechless death that robs my tongue of native breath? Gus, bend the eucalyptus, stream through thin long leaves, huddling in the wind on top of a garbage can. You contemplate a poet's honor in script. How can I be now and sentenced? The resting place is in the darkest woods. In the dream, inside the poem... I am instructed to separate the guilty and their wrongs from the system of identification in which consequences attract the visible. Whereas the corpse decays, animals retreat into the forest. There is no such thing as silence in me like snow asking to be known. Through the garbage of my mouth, As it broke into brand new things, light was on its way. I felt like Esther Williams, a monument moving through sculpted water. As my mother held a flashlight up, I stroked through the cool, dark pool. Mom, you're dead, I said. And she replied, you need to regard the ones who were like family as you would a family member who has gone missing. An alien view. Yesterday, as I was returning from the airport, I passed a billboard The person who will live to 150 has already been born. Floating in my car amidst the synchronous flood of traffic, this idea gently jostled me. If death becomes rare, as life is extended on and on through interminable medical interventions, there will surely be an art movement that is pro death and a discourse around that. I tried to imagine what it would proclaim. Death is organic. My thoughts circled to the scene a few hours earlier. I was leaving San Diego after a visit with my father who was beginning to show signs of frailty. There was an elderly woman ahead of me in the boarding line for my Southwest flight. She was sheathed in well-cut black wool and had shivery coarse hair that was chopped with an interesting bluntness. Her cheeks looked pinned above her eyebrows. We were waiting as the people who had deplaned for a few minutes during a stopover were reboarding our shared plane. The lady made a ruckus about this. Her voice bubbled with tiny fists of fury. She held up her boarding pass like it was an axe. It gave her boarding position number one. This led me to invent another maxim of the pro-death discourse. Death is the ultimate dissolver of narcissism and entitlement. (laughs) Gloomily, I imagine what it would be like to be ruled over by a cast of plutocrats who are 150 years old. Perhaps my parents' dwindling would never actually end. The weekly phone call would be more like a seance laced with mis- frustratingly mysterious messages. It's so Philip K. Dick. Ubik returning as reality in which the nearly dead lie in cold pack, their fading brainwaves sampled by their forlorn survivors. I nudge myself back to attention. Traffic. Through this dark followed by the work of tomorrow which will be assembling this story as I have been staring at the photographs of Christopher Russell and fitfully making notes. These images seem to retreat when I look at them. There's no reassuring jolt of recognition, no spot at which they cohere. I think this is because they are not functioning as mirrors in the way I expect images to do Instead, there is a visual sensation of pulling away, falling back. Into what? I study the thick whiteness of the sky. The park is an outsider space for public sex, for rebellion, yet it feels inadequate to interpret it in human terms. The space is infused with something uncanny, which disintegrates in response to my viewing it, to my desire. In retreat, the photos enact a narrative refusal, narrative being the tool which frames the passage of time. Instead of story, a body is naked there. I think of the indifference and erosive nature of time. It is our companion, yet also fundamentally alien, where time exists without narrative, The alien is simply present. As recognition erodes, the white sky splinters. It has a backwards radiance, the light of death. This is the freedom of the park, entered and embraced, unrecognizability in the thicket of relation. It seems that this text will be all about death, It's the vacancy I have never explored. As deaths have accumulated in my life, the stopped conversations, the bodies emptied of their person, my relation to death has become more porous. I'm suffused by the anti-light of these losses. But it's possible that I am drawn to the subject by coincidence. Viewing the images knocked me back to the last time I was in Bonavista Park. I was it wasn't long ago. I was walking around there under the trees sp- sprinkling the ashes of G into the thickets. It was a cool day. The tops of the trees disappeared into a low-hanging fog. I found Tim and a few of G's friends sitting in a straggly line on a brick wall. Tim had the bag of ashes on his lap. He was tearful, but he always was. Tim reminded me of one of those wind-up figures on a pedestal, spinning and radiant and shedding tears. He exclaimed he was emphatic. G was the love of my life. We met here in the bushes. G was impossible. Being with G, I felt like Carmela Soprano. Tim made trailing, elegant gestures as if he were wearing a long sleeved kimono. They were gestures of helplessness, but Tim was right. G really was impossible, to the point of being ludicrous, yet so intelligent. I remember when G introduced me to Tim, he arranged our meeting to show Tim off. He thought Tim was perfect, and I could see why he thought that. Tim was small, succulent, and tender. If you stepped back and narrowed your eyes, you might think Tim could fit in your pocket. You might want to have a Tim of your own. It's terrible to say, but Tim brought cute to depression. He trembled at everything he held inside. Yet it wasn't weakness. The narrative of personal life is a kind of throb. It distorts everything, but it still belongs here, as text, as throb. G is dead, and thus his story gestures outside the frame into our collective looming afterlife. The photos are poised there at the border. That's how I see them anyway. This thought is not the product of reflection, but of sensation. My moment of encountering the images Time exerts a grainy pressure, thus a delicacy settles over the overgrown and derelict park. The men fumbling for sex are the dream life of the present. Time is impervious. It wanders among us as an alien. If you were a Gnostic, you might think time was the hostile and indifferent god. As recognition erodes, the sky splinters. It has a backwards radiance, the light of death. Its whiteness is the ghost assembling itself. Or the ghost is the background, the house of the silenced. When I first heard about G's suicide, I felt nothing. After a day, heaviness settled into my face, a sort of puffy, wet cloud, Then over the next few weeks, I had a series of dreams. Usually, I don't examine dreams for insights. In my view, they are a form of automatic brain processing, the static of the brain discharging itself. But during this time, certain dreams recurred and developed, like episodes from a novel. I often struggle with insomnia, and these dreams felt oddly like a stage of waking life. They possessed a slowed, even slurred realism, an infected torpor. I felt I had suddenly fallen into another life, one in which I was awake but absent, as was the man I was occupying. He had somehow left room for me. I felt hollowness under his skin. The thump of his heart felt like a hoof stamping the ground he shed a terrific soreness like cold sweat. The man pushed a key into the padlock, opened it, and went out into the hotel hallway where he turned and slipped the padlock onto the door from the outside. I could see in claustrophobic detail. The door was a piece of plywood painted brown. Hardened drips of brown paint hung from the plywood cracks. The carpet had a worn pattern of red flowers slender long petals and there was a payphone at the head of the stair it was one of those piss in the sink hotels the man slipped his hand over the stairway railing I felt myself assert myself as a point inside his cheek like an aching tooth pressure at the bone strum Buzz, I tried to pull back to see the man who enclosed me. He walked out into the street, thrusting crowds, a gray sky. I opened my eyes to feel a breeze coming through my window. It smelled of rain. G had strong, shortish legs, and long arms, and he skittered quickly up and down Polk Street. For a while, he rented a room in a crappy hotel that has since been torn down. Among his customers were women who worked as strippers at Mitchell Brothers. They were dykes. I knew them in a friendly sort of way. Once I found them over there, relaxing on his couch. Long, gleaming legs, shiny hair. Beautiful bodies are so persuasive, they imply a generosity that is actually hard to find. G. didn't like the room or the hotel, so he put up this amazing wallpaper. It was an interlocking pattern of dark yellowish ovals with dusky gold highlights. A pulse of light from the street would cause the gold in the wallpaper to flash. I liked to sit in his room and wait for the light to enter it. G met Tim in Vista Park, and thereafter what? It was heartening at the time the way so much love flowed from G to Tim. Now I have this impulse to explain, to ruminate, to judge. But it is the facts which stupefy me. G liked to give presents, sentimental ones, roses, for example. Once he gave me two little pots of munchkin roses, the kind you buy in the supermarket. They bloom brightly and frantically for a few weeks. After their chemical fertilizer petals pellets are depleted, they get stocky and feeble. Gee gave me two and the red rose was like that, but the yellow one was a little tiger. It threw up bloom after bloom. It was so vigorous I gave it a pot on the deck. Every year in spring, the tiny roses soar up. Uh, You can just turn it off, because I don't. Um, Now, next to the memory of G, there is this little yellow rose. If I place this object between myself and death, and my writing does not become that object, what transparency can exist? I don't like the lurid character of certain words, their noise. I want a quietness around G. He has been silenced after all. This is a quote from Christopher Russell. I photographed public sex through a hole cut in my jacket pocket. I was playing a very low-tech James Bond with my $20 camera and thrift store windbreaker. The thrill of shooting came from pressing closer trying to get more of the action that unfolded before me. The result was a document of increasing involvement. I think about description, especially in secret places. Does it require intimacy? I think not. Proximity is enough when it derives from shared conditions. That's how I feel about G. My work of description would be slumming if I told the whole story. I return to the photos and study the men in the park. They are looking for sex. I wonder whether my melancholy is leading me to be unfair. Perhaps my loyalty should belong to the present moment, this one, right between my legs, where it will stay forever. There is a common bloodstream, and I am entering it, amazed and poignant, scraped to the surface, grinning. A life among strangers has accidental parallels, misty tracks that just go off somewhere through a landscape of oak and cypress, sinkholes and curiously twisted thickets. What is real is just wherever I happen to travel. What isn't shimmers like a fish in the river. I could almost reach in and grab it. Dream. This is how I discovered G's body. I'm walking through a shopping mall. The aluminum window frames have white corrosion spots and the stores are mostly empty. They are set back so that the sidewalk is shaded, but the coolness is distasteful. It smells of concrete and moldy trash. There are a few cars in the parking lot, but no person in sight. This mall is incredibly dead. I open a door and there is G., one body in a heap of bodies, piled in the center of the room. I recognize someone else in the heap. The whole crew is here. In fact, this is G's store, his shabby commerce. He once told me it was a hard way to make a living. A truck pulls up. It's shaped like a taco truck, or maybe an ambulance. But it is covered with big, bright paper flowers, yellow, blue, green, They make the truck look soft. Inside there is a coffin, also covered with these flowers, with a bed of pink satin. Someone has made this for G and sent it for him. I feel relieved that anyone cared. A thief like that travels the seam, moving always towards the boulevard. He cycles through departures, his velocity escalating. Walter Benjamin locates the authority of the story in death. This is a quote from him. It is characteristic that not only a man's knowledge or wisdom, but above all his real life, and this is the stuff that stories are made of, first assumes transmissible form at the moment of death. Just as a sequence of images is set in motion inside a man as his life comes to an end. Unfolding the views of himself under which he has encountered himself without being aware of it, suddenly in his expressions and looks.